you're listening to The Bounding Box, where we talk about web development, geo development, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bounding Box, and today I am joined by the one and only Bill Dollins, who uh, I actually had thought of starting a podcast a few years ago, and I had this huge list of people I want to ask, and Bill was like at the very top of that list, even from a few years ago when this thing was just like an idea, so I'm very glad to have Bill on today. Um, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Bill, just tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and what your problem is. What my problem is. <laughs> I'll get to that last. All right. So uh, as you said, I'm I'm Bill Dollins. Um, what I do. So my current role is I'm the chief information officer at Fulcrum, uh, which you know, many may know as a uh, spatially-enabled mobile data collection platform. Um, we've kind of expanded beyond that a bit, but my role is mostly um, behind the scenes these days as a CIO. So I manage all of our internal corporate systems and the interoperability between them. Um, I run our data operations team, which is mostly focused on product analytics, how people are using Fulcrum, what that means, getting that information out to the right internal stakeholders. So a lot of data science-y type stuff. Nice. Uh, I do a lot myself and BigQuery, and then I have a, a team under me that, that does a lot as well. Um, they're way better at it than I am, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's my avenue to still keep my hands dirty. And then I also uh, oversee our professional services team, which, you know, that's a loose thing because they're pretty much on autopilot. They, they don't need a whole lot from me. Um, they're, they're a great uh, group of guys that knows Fulcrum inside and out and a lot of other things because professional services is all about integrating with other systems. Yeah. So I manage those, those three functions, it, corp, you know, it and corporate systems, data ops and, um, uh, professional services. That's my daily life. Um, prior to Fulcrum where I've, I've been here for five years, I spent 25 years almost as a, uh, uh, federal contractor, uh, 15 of which I was a partner in a, in a uh, firm with three other people. We did a lot of cool stuff over that 15 years. And during that time, I've pretty much always been like a geospatial developer, integrator, many hat wearer. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing that you had your own thing kind of going for quite a long time. So you built quite a bit of experience in a lot of hats, I'm guessing, um, from yeah. very hands-on stuff to having to manage projects and contracts and everything like that which i can imagine is quite a handful <laughs> yeah i mean it can get depending on the size of the contract if you're doing the doing federal work it, it can be pretty consuming um you know as a partner there weren't a whole lot of 40 hour weeks you know 40 hour <laughs> week practically yeah. vacation yeah you, know, you just wear you have to do everything you have to write the proposals um lead proposal teams do the staffing once the staffing's in place, manage the work, and in a lot of cases, do the work depending on the size of your company. So that was, you know. Did you find in working in that that um, a lot of those contracts were looking for like GISP uh, workers or people working on projects that had GISPs? I never once saw that as a requirement. No. Our... Oh, okay. No, I think no, I was working at the federal level. It just never happened there. I I think I had seen a few like state and local. That we didn't bid on, but I knew they, they occasionally you would see some key personnel needed a GISP, but okay. um, I never ran into it. I did a little bit of contract work way back when, and that was like on a couple of things I had applied to, and I had to, happened to have it at the time, but you know, I always was curious if that was like 
for people that already been doing this kind of thing for a while, like having that GISP is something to use just for contract kind of work, but maybe yeah. not. Maybe it's not something that is necessarily needed much. I think yeah. my laps, uh, I didn't do the test or anything. Maybe right. someday. Yeah, you know, the <laughs> test, I think the test probably makes it a little more stringent. Yeah. Um, my problem with it, and problem is a loose term, I didn't have a whole big problem with it, which is that the way it was before, you know, ha having a GISP didn't really help me understand what you actually knew how to do. <laughs> exactly. Uh, because it was all based on your previous experience and your portfolio and things like that. So with the test, it's at least centering on a core set of skills. So now going forward, if you have that, I know you've at least had to sit and kind of understand those concepts. Yeah, because before, if you just had like a few years of experience under your belt, maybe went to a conference or two with the cert, then that was it. You'd get your GISP, like nothing. So right. now it's right. a little bit more work to do. <laughs> yeah, so it was, you know, typically if you saw it in an RFP, it was probably an intentional discriminator. It was usually a clue that they they probably already knew who they wanted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those are always fun with stick. You read those uh, RFPs and they're very, very specific. You're like, yes. they already know who they want for this particular project. But okay, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get pretty good at, at, at identifying those and just saying, I'm going to set that one aside and move on <laughs> to the next one. So I'm guessing that today you don't get to do a whole lot of hands-on code. Uh, today, but do you still keep up with stuff? Do you still write a little bit of Python, or you say you just still do some BigQuery uh, stuff, right? So, yeah. So I probably the thing I do most these days is SQL and BigQuery, and there is some spatial components to that as well. It has it has spatial objects and spatial functions, not not nearly on the level that PostGIS or something like that does, yeah. but you know, there's enough. And we use that periodically for for certain back of the house functions, like um, uh, setting up sales territories or helping kind of uh, identify sales tax regions and that sort of thing. So there are e even even in like back of the house business functions, location <laughs> matters. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, and then um, we use a lot of a lot of SaaS platforms for the back of the house stuff, like it's Salesforce or it's uh, Stripe or things like that. Um, all of those have APIs and sometimes you still need to do some custom stuff. So I do, I spin up a little bit of node occasionally to just kind of prototype <laughs> out some, some uh, API scraping and that sort of thing. I usually have to hand that off to someone else to, to, to make it production, but yeah. That's cool. At least you get to do a little bit of a hands-on work and not just a, uh... Complete, well, I guess it is to complete management, but you get still get your hands dirty every now and then. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I did for so long. If I don't, if I go too long without doing it, I kind of, it starts to bug me. It's sort of like I need, it, it's, <laughs> it's a great mental reset to just sit down and write some code for a day. Yeah, exactly. So what is your uh, degree in when you went to school, what you actually went to school for before you got into this field? So, um, I refer to myself as an accidental geographer. Uh, my my degree was in information systems from the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. I spent two years in the CS program. Um, just it was it was it was not people oriented enough for me, so I, I switched over to IS. Um, but and so that was my degree. I had didn't hear the phrase GIS like once. Well, actually, I did hear it once during a lecture and the lecturer sort of 
referred to it almost like it was like this weird oddball field of tech that you should avoid like the plague. Um, so that was what I knew about GIS. We had one guy in the CI CS program who switched out of CS and we didn't understand what he was doing. <laughs> we thought he was going to do, to do cartography. So we were picturing like etching things on tables and stuff. Um, I look back now and go, that was probably our lack of understanding. And he probably switched over to the GIS program that our university had that I had no idea about. So <laughs> that's very cool. Yeah. So, so when you got when you yeah. got out into uh, the field, like in the in you know, working and stuff like that, it's just kind of like you uh, start working at a company that did GIS and kind of fell into it that way. Yep, that was the very first job I found. Uh -huh. okay. um, uh, there was a, a small company in the town where I was working. There there was a little bit of a recession going on when I graduated from college, so I was I was actually tending bar for a few months. And one of my regulars was hiring, was kind of telling me that he was having trouble finding people. I was like, yeah, I have a degree in information systems. He's like, what? <laughs> so I went and interviewed and they were mapping army bases. Um, okay. The Open Skies Treaty had just been signed. So that was the one where every, all the member nations could, you know, on like 24 hours notice, overfly and take photos and things like that. So they needed to map all the bases to know what was there and that sort of thing. So, so I, my first job, I basically was digitizing them in AutoCAD. We we're doing oh, heads wow. up, scanning maps and digitizing. And so that was like the first six months or so. And then we had to take the digitized maps and load them into map info. That was the GIS we were using back then. <laughs> and so then that required like uh, registering the um, the maps, the the drawings to from uh, table space to geographic space. And so that's when I first got actually got to write some code because like we we had a one senior programmer who didn't have time for the project, so he kind of looked over my shoulder while I wrote the code. It worked, and then eventually moved the whole process to Arc Info. So then I learned AML, and then after that, I was, <laughs> I was a GIS developer. Um, oh, wow, the rest it's of my cra career. crazy how that rolls like that. I hear a lot of similar stories like that. You just kind of get roped into it by accident, and oh yeah. I don't know what it is yeah. about it, it. It pulls you in and like you find a, you know, you got a pretty good groove with it. It's a nice niche to get into it. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy things. Like I'm just writing code and, like, and yeah, the, the, the one geographer looks at me and says, so what did you do to like reconcile the projections? And I was like, what's a projection, you know? And <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, oh, well you did nothing. Let me show you what you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I guess that leads me to my next question. You recently had posted up that you uh, got your MBA. Yes. Right? So yes. how about that? I mean, is that just something that you wanted to do or is that something you wanted to do for work or like a life goal type of thing? I, you know, I've been kicking around for several years now uh, doing some graduate level programming, uh, program, programming. See, it's in my blood, <laughs> programming. I can't say program without ending it with the ING. Um, and it was sort of back and forth as to what I wanted to do. And I'd actually started teaching a master's level leadership course um, in a geography program. Um, so here I was, the guy with a 20-year-old bachelor's degree teaching in a master's program. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I finally just kind of settled on uh, the MBA. Um, you know, during the pandemic, you needed something that was online. University of Maryland has a great online school they have for years. Like they, their online school obviously didn't start online. It started as like a remote distance learning thing in the 50s, servicing wow. the military 
population that cycles through the DC area. So they were very on top of like they they had obviously gone fully online 10 years ago or, or wow. more. So oh, while everyone else was trying to figure it out for the pandemic, they were just like, hey, we're, we just do what we do. Um, so that was easy um, in that regard. Like the, the learning management system was pretty clean and that sort of stuff. So that's why I chose that. I kind of settled on the MBA as sort of a way to just sort of fill in the gaps. Like I was a partner in a company for 15 years. You learn a lot. Mm. Yeah, usually, uh, usually by trial and error, you know, <laughs> all the financials, that sort of stuff, but I just decided, and then here I am, I've been a C-level executive for five years and it's felt like getting the MBA would sort of round things out and fill in some gaps Yeah, um, that, you know, you know, when you're doing it just by feel, you, you only know what you run into. So, yeah, I mean, it's, that's one of those degrees I've always been interested in, in looking at and stuff, you know, it's always in the back of my head, whether I should try it again. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoy that. I think I, I might give that a shot at some point. It just uh, gives you a real uh, well-rounded um, education. Say. Yeah, yeah. I'm I, I'm glad I did it the way I did because yeah, I'm you know, later in my career um, because I do have a technical background in something. So the MBA sort of, you, you have, to, you reach a point in your career where you have to understand the business you're working in. Yeah. Um, and so the MBA helps with that. I think if I had gone directly in an MBA program out of the bachelor's i probably wouldn't have gotten as much out of it or i would have you know then just been like a business person without the technical context yeah so you have a lot to back it up now yeah that's yeah. awesome all right so i want to ask you billy you've been doing this for a while uh what has excited you in gis in recent years you know i mean in looking back years. at like the past and like i said there's been a lot that's gone on the past 20 some years and stuff like that is there anything that uh, recently that's kind of excited you? Well, you know, the the thing that really excites me lately, and this is everyone's sort of talking about it, so it's probably not the most original answer, is just the activity in the EO space, you know, with, you know, satellite imagery and aerial imagery uh, and everything that's just become available and sort of the value-added analytics sort of going on top of that. I'm I'm actually less interested in the pixels than what people do with them. Um, so the fact that, you know, you, it, you can use machine learning now to train algorithms to like pull features out and start doing analytics uh, directly from the, from the raw imagery, you know, that was stuff we were dreaming of 10 years yeah. ago, even. Um, so, so the fact, so that the development itself is pretty exciting. The speed with which we got there, because <laughs> this was like science fiction a decade ago, like, yeah, you know, maybe yeah. in 30 years, by the time I retire, we'll be able to do that. No, it was, <laughs> Within five years, it was prototyped, you know, and here we are now, it's pretty much commonplace. So the speed with which geospatial technology is accelerating and and being applied is, is really exciting. Um, the innovation that comes along with that, you know, I, I'm pretty, I've been pretty excited about sort of the, I don't know, I don't know the right way to put it, but essentially the, the uh, I guess I'll say the proliferation of and i know you work for esri don't take this the wrong way um of open source technologies kind of in conjunction with the cloud uh, because i feel like those technologies and, and i say i know esri uses a lot of open source tools and so does fulcrum so yeah i feel okay saying this um it, it it's easy to kind of pull those apart and break them up and sort of and sort of deploy them in a in a targeted way 
So we're now at a point where I don't need to, to deploy an entire GIS stack to solve one small problem. I can pull the pieces I want out, deploy it into a cluster, scale it up on demand, tear it down as demand goes away, and I'm not incurring giant licensing costs while I'm scaled out, and I'm not deploying more software than I need. That also wasn't the case 10 or 15 years ago. Oh, wow, that's very cool. Yeah, that's yeah, one of those. You know, I mean, the Esri stack was heavy, but even like on the open source side, like if you were doing like a GeoService thing, I was, that's as he pretty much heavy too. <laughs> well, you yeah. can pull all that stuff apart and just deploy what you need. That's really cool. I haven't really looked at all of that part. I mean, I've done GeoServer and MapServer and everything, but I haven't looked at uh, working with like imagery or satellite stuff. Yeah. I didn't really get the remote sensing or anything, but you're like the second or third person that's actually brought that up. Um, you know, satellite imagery and just the way you can analyze this stuff today and the speed of it and everything that's uh, it's caught up with it. So I'm definitely, I think I need to take another look at that because yeah. And, <laughs> and I say that as a vector guy, I, I was, my whole career has been on the vector side. Yeah. I, I, I had a coworker who said, you're either a pixel pusher or a vector bender. I've always been <laughs> on the vector bender side. So oh, but I've great. been pretty impressed with what they've been doing on the pixel side. I got to make that into a t-shirt. That's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think he copyrighted it, so I think you're safe. <laughs> All right, Bill. Well, I want to be very conscious of your time here, but I do want to ask if there's anything else you want to talk about or if you've got a tip for listeners, something they can take away from this. Uh, completely open to you here. Um, you know, so I guess lessons from my own experience recently is, is to just never... My, my first tip is just to always try to stay fresh. Um you know, it's kind of easy to kind of fall in, in, into doing the same thing every day. And I did that for a number of years you know, when I was doing federal work. Um, so, you know, leaving that behind and coming to Fulcrum was, was an intentional choice to kind of get into a different area of the tech sector and then picking up on, you know, uh, fitness and health and then doing my MBA. I've just, I've just like, I'm trying to stay fresh and and keep myself renewed and that 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 can take an infinite number of forms depending on your interests but i think i think it's very important that's right you're always posting up about your runs and everything you do like that what is your trail or roads for running or what i guess what you what do you have access to most for your runs right, so i have access to roads most uh like we have a trail nearby but it's paved um, you know, I live in a per pretty rural area, but the, but the, the trails that are suitable for running that aren't going across private property or something like that, um, are a few miles away. Um, okay. I mostly run roads, uh, but I do like trail running because, um, it requires a little bit more, um, mentally, you have ah. to pay attention to the terrain you're running on and obstacles and that sort of thing. And also just like running on ground is easier on the joints. Sometimes when I, when I'm training for a long race. Uh, I'll switch over to trail running for a couple of weeks to just sort of give my joints a little rest. Are you geeked out and pulled any analytics on your runs over time? Uh, I have. I don't do it on a regular basis, but you know, I use Strava, so I so I will actually go down and pull the GPXs and kind of map my stuff and, <laughs> and kind of see, see like the terrain and and that sort of thing. Um, that, that that's pretty easy to do these days. I've made like custom maps of some of the, of some of my favorite. Uh, races that i've run and that's <laughs> oh that's fun that's fun yeah awesome all right bill well thanks a lot i really appreciate it um thanks for joining me today and i'll see you next time absolutely thanks for the invite i'll talk to you soon great bye-bye
Thank you for listening to The Bounty Box today. Please subscribe for more content.